big beat manifesto goes, big beats are the best, get high all the time. Right. At the time, it felt like a much more all-encompassing philosophy. This is outrageous. This is contagious. Dale B. Credit, fuck off, please. Hey, everybody. This is the L Dude Brothers podcast, episode 13, The Wedding. My name is Sean, and I do. And my name's Laura, and do I? Do you ever? <laughs> How are you doing today, Laura? Yeah, I'm all right, thank you. How are you, Sean? Oh, fantastic. Man, I cannot believe, like, how crazy this last week has been for this show. Like... Unfucking believable. It has been a crazy ride, yeah. So, just kind of a quick recap of what has happened since our last episode. Laura, who is now the official L Dude Brothers podcast PR representative, <laughs> somehow managed to convince Matt King to follow our show on Twitter. Matt King tweeted about us on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, and we proceeded to just be blown the fuck up. We actually were charting. We charted from, like, July 9th to the 13th, and I think, what was it like? We peaked at 14, 12, 14, something like that? It was, like, 12 at one point, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is big news. I was at a children's birthday party today, and people were mentioning it to me at the children's birthday party. So, you know, it's gone global. What can I say? Yeah, it was really funny. My my aunt and niece were in, or my aunt and my cousin, I should say, were in town, and my cousin's like, oh, so it's the internationally famous podcaster, and... (laughs) I'm like, you know, come on, like, don't, don't, like, don't blow this out of proportion here. But in the same time, I'm thinking to myself, please blow this out of proportion. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's good. I keep telling you the internet's going to be huge. Yes, we should get on that internet thing. (laughs) And also, the other big piece of news that happened this week is Laura has agreed to take on, uh, take over co-hosting duties full time. Um, So welcome, Laura full-time to the L Dude Brothers podcast. Very happy to have you. Thank you. Very excited to be going full-time. Thank you. I'm excited to have you on the show, so... Thank you. Um, Once again, we are going to be talking about the Series 2 finale, which is The Wedding. It originally aired 17 December 2004. Do you remember what you were doing in 2004? Because I sure as hell don't. I do. I was in my first year at university, and I remember watching this in halls uh, with a friend who was also Love Peep Show, and recording it on an actual tape and watching it on a VHS tape <laughs> with my friend Stuart. So, yeah. Right. Obviously, you would have been in your first year at university, which is kind of mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of the thread that we've established throughout these. So I don't know why I asked why you would remember. Of course, you would remember. Mm. Um, I think that I was, I don't even remember what I was doing in 2004. I was living in the dorms. I was living in Colorado Springs. I had a long-distance girlfriend. I don't know. How much older than me are you? You're like four years older, is that I'm, right? So you would have been, what, like, 22? Something like that? 23. 23? Yeah, I was 23. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Still, in the, still in the Air Force, still hadn't moved out of my dorm room yet, just enjoying uh, enjoying life. Mm. I think I was getting ready to start playing World of Warcraft. I think World of Warcraft was just getting ready to come out in 2004, so that was, like, my big life-changing thing. Right, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear how uh, I can hear how interested in World of Warcraft you are. So we'll just, uh, we'll just. I mean, I, I know some people. I've got a friend who like he does that kind of thing. He does cosplay. He's, he paints little men. I think that's quite you know it's in that genre. So I know people. He sounds like he'd be a good friend of mine. He, you said he paints little men. Yeah. Yeah, from like Gamers Workshop, like Warhammer stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's a big Warhammer guy. That's uh, Pete. Hi, Pete. If you're listening, he he loves the little men. So. 
when uh when my family when when we went on our vacation to England, one of the big things that I tried to, that I really wanted to do is I wanted to go to actual like gamers workshop. And of course, mm. you know, my mom was like, "What the fuck is this? Like, I'm not, I, you know, mm-hmm. we're only here for like a week. I'm not taking like 20 minutes to take you to the you know gamers workshop." So never got to go to gamers <laughs> workshop. Yeah, it's um, I've never been in one either, but. If you're into that sort of thing, I think it's, you know, it's a big deal. Pete loves it in there. We did so. get to go to the Doc Martin warehouse, and so I got two pairs of Doc Martins, so that was cool. Huh, that's, that is cool. I was a big ska kid at the time, so, you know. Right, okay, yeah, yeah, I understand. Yeah, checkerboard, you know, checkerboard backpack, Doc Martins, Vans, yeah. I had a pair of, like, floral Doc Martins. I thought I was really edgy, and, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, similar style, yeah. Yeah, when we when we went over there, it was kind of during during like, it was right after Fat of the Land had come out by Prodigy. So, right. Yeah. So like, you know, like ninety six. Yeah, ninety six. Yep, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So so basically, like I went over there expecting that like ska was going to be huge because ska was going through like a real you know big revival, yeah. and um I got over there and it was just like all techno music like nonstop and I was so I was so bummed. But uh, yeah. I did get this poster for Fat of the Land that was I'm I'm six four and this poster was right. every bit as tall as I was. It was <laughs> it was gigantic. With the little like fucking crab and everything. Oh yeah, sounds cool. Yeah. Have you still got the poster? Has it survived twenty years? I think my parents threw it away when I joined the military. Mm, upsetting. That was the only prodigy album I ever I ever listened to. See, I remember it being huge and um, my husband quite likes the prodigy, but it's not. I mean, obviously, like they were they were a big thing here, so I do, and I know that album. And but yeah, I would never, I would never class myself as a prodigy fan. All right, well, we have uh, we have finished the prodigy discussion. <laughs> Although we could probably talk to Jeremy about prodigy because I believe he has mentioned the proj a couple times. I think he probably have some opinions about the proj. Yeah. So yeah, once again, we are going to include some deleted scenes the deleted scenes i don't know what you thought and i'm sure we'll get into the deleted scenes a little further deleted scenes this episode didn't really feel like were as good as the deleted scenes last episode no i said to you and i put in my notes that i really enjoyed the first one but the others were poor like i can see why they got deleted so yeah um where so when we're talking about the episode do you think that that the mark balcony was originally going to be the very first thing that we see and then they just cut it out to go to nancy and jeremy i think it might have been the second scene maybe i think it might have gone between the canal and the the, the scene where jeremy tells mark he's getting married potentially oh, I, i'm not sure i don't feel like it was the very first scene but i think it was early on we will discuss the canal and then we'll go to the balcony scene and then okay. we'll just keep going from there this episode starts with nancy and jeremy at a canal and i've never been to a canal but Every canal that I see in Peep Show, the canals just look awesome. Yeah, canals are quite shit in general, or at least the ones that I've been to are. Um, I think there are some nice ones, but they're not around here. So that I agree, that looks like a really nice canal, but they're not. They're not in my part of London. But there was really like weird tension between Jeremy and Nancy, where Jeremy, just like we saw a couple episodes ago, he's like freaking out about everything that Nancy's gonna say, and he clearly thinks that he's about to get dumped, doesn't he? Yeah, Nancy kind of looks like she wants to cry, and she just is looking around the canal and she's like this is this is beautiful and and then jeremy's like this is bad very bad a canal 
perfect venue for the emotional bump off because if I start screaming, there's no one to hear. <laughs> On the plus side, she's obviously confident I'm not a potential murderer. <laughs> that made me laugh a lot. I like that line. And then we immediately get into kind of the main plot of the episode, which is Nancy tells Jeremy that she's got to marry him. Very quick to point out that it's going to be a complete sham wedding. It's just an administrative procedure. That's what she says, doesn't she? She wants to be very emphatic about that. Yeah, she is very, very, very specific that this is an administrative procedure. That's all there is. And don't, you know... Don't read anything else into this. She also says, doesn't she, that she could marry there's some gay guys that she knows that would be into it. But Jez is, he's emphatic about the fact that he he wants to do it. Don't marry those gays, he says. Yeah, I like I love that. He's like, oh, Nancy, don't marry those gays. <laughs> marry me. And then he says, doesn't he, that it will be the happiest administrative procedure of their lives. Yeah. And he kind of he kind of gets down on one knee as all of this is like going on. And Jeremy just looks... Like so elated yeah, he's so that happy. he's about to get yeah. married. Yeah. yeah, he looks he looks really really happy to to be getting married to Nancy, and um, I feel bad I feel for really him. Really bad for him, like, and I feel worse for him watching it again than I did at the time. I think I thought it was just you know oh it's a funny way into the episode, but now I'm like oh poor Jeremy actually he really loves her and she's just using him. I know. I mean, granted, we'll get into everything else later. Some of it is kind of his own doing. But really, like, yeah. oh, it just makes me so sad. It just makes me so sad for him. Yeah, he wanted that. He wanted that, like, administrative procedure to become a real proper marriage, didn't he? And it's just not going to happen. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to discuss the first deleted scene uh, again. It's kind of it's kind of nondescript on where this scene takes place, so we're just going to kind of shoehorn it in here. But Mark is sitting on his balcony. And what is he, what is it, what kind of stuff does he have with him in a little box? So I've made a little list. He's got a Boots Mill deal receipt from when Sophie forgot her purse and he had to buy her lunch. A bit of her hair that he's stolen out of her comb. Mm -hmm. uh, a post-it doodle, you know, like the little doodles they do in series one. And a passport photograph of her that looks like it might have been stolen from a desk, <laughs> to be honest. What is a Boots Mill deal? So there's a chemist, uh, like a, a shop that's a chemist here called Boots. And they do a famous meal deal, which is like a sandwich, bag of crisps, and a drink for, I don't know, it's probably about 20 quid now, but it used to be two ninety nine, And it was a bargain on the high street, is where everyone went for lunch. Oh, okay. I, might, I like how Mark says, didn't even ask her to pay me back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the most romantic thing you can imagine doing, is buying her a Boots meal deal. I also like when he's throwing the hair in the bucket, he's like... Was keeping her hair was keeping hair from her comb weird? It says only if I glued it to a doll, and I never even considered gluing it to a doll. <laughs> and then as he's throwing this stuff into the bucket, he just starts kind of spraying it with lighter fluid, and then he strikes a match and throws it in there, and all the stuff just goes up in flames. And Jeremy's like, "Oh, I see. I have to recycle everything, but you get to have wicked bonfires." It's <laughs> such a jazz line. Mark's like, "Well, you know, I told Sophie." Uh, or, you know, Sophie and I are over, but we're we're just friends. And Jeremy's like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, he understands that that's the absolute, that's the, the end of that, doesn't he? He understands that's the absolute death of any romantic intention if they're just going to be friends. And then Jeremy's just like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, uh, I'm just going to leave. And Mark's like, no, no, you can stay. I might cry <laughs> a little. And Jez is like, I'll go, yeah. And then he just turns around and walks out. And Mark just is kind of sitting there in front of this. A bucket that's caught on fire. He's so forlorn. He looks so sad. Oh, I know. He looks so sad. It's 
it, it bums me out. Yeah. The more I think about it, the more I think this would have to be the opening scene. Yeah, you could be right. It's, it's sort of ambiguous about where it is, but it is definitely at the beginning. If Jeremy was already engaged to Nancy, he wouldn't, like, give a fuck about Mark. You're right, and he would have mentioned it, wouldn't it? Yeah. Which he doesn't, and he doesn't mention it until the next scene. Yeah, so I, yeah, probably opening scene, but fuck it, whatever. Mm. Yeah. They, they were deleted for a reason, mm. so... You know, we're just going to leave it up to people to judge. We have Mark coming home from work. Very dated reference. He talks about renting a DVD. <laughs> Gladiator. Which was old even then, wasn't it? It was probably about four years old at that point in time. I think Gladiator. Yeah, because I, I remember watching it on a coach on a school trip when I was at school. And by this point, I was at university. So, like, three or four years have passed here. Yeah, I would say Gladiator came out before I joined the military. I joined the military in, like, September or October of 2000. So Gladiator had, yeah, had been out for probably about four years at this point. Yeah, I watched it on a coach in about summer of 2001, definitely. So I, I imagine they just got it for the bonus scene because there's apparently a deleted scene of an extra getting pike. What does get piked mean? Is that just getting impaled on a spike? Is that what he's talking about? I believe the pikes are, like, the sharpened sticks. That's what I was imagining, but it wasn't, it's a, it must be a boy thing, boy knowledge. It didn't mean anything to me, really. Yeah, pike is a weapon, is a pole weapon, a very long thrusting spear, formerly used extensively by infantry. Right. So they would kind of, basically the way it would work is there would be like a front line of guys with shields. Yeah. And then the pikemen would be behind the shields, and then they would use their their uh, pikes to kind of stab at the the first rank of people charging in sounds nice yeah that's what i kind of figured but i didn't know for sure <laughs> but mark is comes into a very welcome and then instantly unwelcome surprise where he sees jeremy cleaning up the bathroom and he's like that bathroom is filthy as well it's absolutely <laughs> disgusting i know and i like i like his first two thoughts are sex slavery murder clear up <laughs> <laughs> both plausible yeah i mean jeremy's not the kind of person as we've seen that would just you know decide to clean up although when him and hands were talking about moving in jeremy definitely did become the cleaner of the two that's true yeah um jeremy kind of voluntells mark that nancy is going to be moving in with them and mark is surprised that they're getting married so quickly and um <laughs> yeah he says doesn't he? mark sort of says why and Jeremy says, because we're in love, and partially for visa reasons. I like that we see the mythical Garfields that Jeremy wanted to borrow last week for shin pads. <laughs> yeah, they, they they sort of do come up a couple of times, but they're, they're definitely the Garfields in his hands. Um, Mark kind of points out that Nancy's just using him. Jeremy seems really hurt by this, um, by this lack of support. And he's just like, well, I'm going to just ask Superhands to be my best man instead. And David Mitchell has this fucking amazing facial where he's just like yeah well sure if that's the way you feel maybe you should do it and total stony face isn't it yeah i talked about this in another episode too where peep show is not a show where i would ever say that the acting was top notch but i think that the acting is better than a lot of you know sitcoms yeah certainly david mitchell i think is, is very strong at that kind of mark face that he definitely does in this this scene yeah, he, he is able to say so much shit with just his face. Yeah. And, I mean, it was like in University Challenge when he just kind of glares at Jeremy for the ancient history joke. It's like all that stuff, he is just so, he's just so good at just 
that he's good at years of simmering resentment in a look. He's very good at projecting that onto Jeremy. Jeremy realizes that he's just jealous and that he wants to get married to Sophie, and Mark's like, "I'm totally over. I'm totally and completely over Sophie." And Jeremy's like, oh, sure, and I suppose that's the reason why you wrote her name on every single egg under the word bird. <laughs> that's a, that is a very funny visual gag when he holds up the word bird with Sophie just written on all the eggs. Yeah, I like that they actually went the extra step to actually do it. There was some poor little intern, probably some runner, writing <laughs> Sophie on the little eggs. It was probably the owner of that flat that they were filming in. Yeah, probably, actually, yeah. <laughs> I wonder how much of, like, those initial props were that person's just, like, furniture, and they're like, oh, God, a shitty flat with shitty furniture. Yeah, fucking yeah, we're, we're, this is where we're gonna film. We'll use all of that. Yeah, you're right, because it is, I mean, it is horrible in there, isn't it? Yeah. And I thought as well, when I saw how grim the bathroom was, I was like, how did they get it to be that grim? Was the bathroom actually that dirty, or did they have to make it that dirty somehow? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's weird because, you know, Mark is always so proud of his flat. That's true. But really... But really, his flat is kind of a dump. I mean, I would live there. I mean, it's it's nice enough that I would live there, but, you know, it's not like I would brag to people and be like, oh, this is my awesome flat in my awesome building. I think it's that it's just that when boys live together, things become horrible, don't they? And like Mark's room is always quite neat, isn't it? Like, he's quite... He's particular about his room, but I agree that the common areas have gone to shit somewhat. The kitchen's horrible as well, I've noticed that before. When I was in the military, I lived with two of my friends, and they were both special forces, and our house was always, like, a shit show. And, um, we... The, our landlord owned a cleaning company, and we, as part of our rent, we could pay more for rent, and then he would send, like, like the cleaning lady over to our house, like, right, yeah. once, like, every two weeks or whatever. And so we were like, okay, fuck it. We're going to get the cleaning lady. And so, you know, we told our landlord, you know, hey, we're going to pay extra this month so we can get the cleaning lady. And he's like, okay. She came to our house once, never came back. <laughs> she just refused to do that job anymore. Refused. And then we got an angry call from our landlord. And he was like, if you guys are fucking trashing my house, I'm just going to evict you right now. I know what the house looks like. It better be clean. And I'm going to come over and do a goddamn inspection in, like, a week. <laughs> so you had to get get on the cleaning there and then? Yes, yeah. And then once we cleaned it once, we had the cleaning lady after that. And then, you know, she came back to our house mercifully. And as long as we, we would just kind of have to do, like, maintenance cleaning. Yeah, keep on top of she, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then she would kind of do the deep dive stuff. Mm. So that was nice. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so... After this, we get Mark in Superhands at the Oval Tavern, and I love literally this entire scene. It's the uh, it's the best yeah. scene I think maybe in the in the episode, or maybe not the best. It, it's one of the funniest scenes in the episode, definitely. Oh, so here I'll give you this: it's the best non-Jeremy scene in this entire episode. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. And I just want to go ahead and play this scene because I just love everything about this scene. Yeah, go on. Fancy a punt on the quizzy? Shit a bit of data out of that bunged up brain box. I'll do the buttons, do the answers. So, listen, I wanted to have a chat about Nancy. You mean Yoko? <laughs> yeah, hello marriage, goodbye major recording contract. So, you agree it's a terrible... Capital of Indonesia. Uh, Jakarta. Correct. Yeah, she's got trouble written right the way through her like a stick of Brighton rock. So, I thought we could split them up. Maybe you could tell him you got off with her. Fucking hell, that's a bit strong. Where might you find a diphthong? Uh, it's an element of speech. Where might you find one? In a word. Good boy. 
Why don't you do it? He'd never believe it, whereas you... Yeah, no, you're right, yeah, much more believable. Jamie Lee Kerr is born a hermaphrodite, true or false? Urban myth. I don't know. I don't want to come out fine with just my cock in my hands. If I go for it, you're going to back me up? Oh, this is for the jackpot. Of course I'll back you up. What kind of animal was Ricky Ticky Tarvey? A mongoose. Piss off, a little rat. He was a mongoose. Rat. A mongoose. See? Told you. Yeah. But I was in charge of the buttons, Mark. I drew a line. You crossed that line. I'll have to have a think about you. I don't know if you can be trusted in a combat situation. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that. <laughs> well, what does fucking hand say? A bunged up brain box or something like that? <laughs> yeah, there's shits and data about that bunged up brain box. Oh my god, this scene just when they're playing the, the trivia machine is is so funny. It's brilliant. I love I love that hand takes on the buttons and just says he's doing the buttons and Mark's got to do the answers. And then of course, really it's ultimately just kind of a, a test for Mark to see if Mark can actually go through lying to Jeremy about Nancy because they ask what Ricky Ticky Tavi is and of course, you know, Mark is like, Oh, he's a mongoose and Hans is like, Fuck off, he's a rat <laughs> I love as well that he um he doesn't, even when the questions are quite simple, he doesn't even try and answer them by himself, does he? It's like he's literally just the buttons. That's all he can do. Is Jamie Lee Curtis born a hermaphrodite? <laughs> Urban myth. Yeah. Oh, and then the other one was like, where would you find a diphthong or something like that? Yeah, and he can't even translate it, can he, to come up with what the answer might be. It's like, send him in the speech. Where would you find one, though? Oh, you actually, oh my God, I'm so happy you actually wrote the questions down. Yeah. <laughs> But he's like, where might you find a diphthong? And Mark's like, it's an element of speech. And Hans just looks him in and goes, where <laughs> might you find one? He's not doing any more thinking than is necessary. That's not his job. No. 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 And then we're going to go from here back to another deleted scene. Um, this one was with Jeremy and Nancy kind of planning their wedding. And this this scene right here should pretty much just kind of tell you everything you need to know Um about their wedding, which is that is all Jeremy and Nancy really has little to no interest in actually. She doesn't give a shit, does she? She's not even willing to pay for it. No, she's not even willing to pay for it because she gave all her money to UNICEF. Who <laughs> are being really shitty about giving the money back? Nancy is not a stupid character, but that's a really fucking stupid thing to say. Yeah, it's maybe that's one of the reasons it ended up on the cutting room floor. She actually hasn't got any. She's not got any empathy. I was thinking that as I watched this episode again, and maybe maybe that's just further proof of that, that she's she's very bad at thinking about how other people feel, even UNICEF. I like that she's hanging up this little, like, uh, Jesus is Lord. <laughs> yeah, she's got a load of religious memorabilia, hasn't she? Did you see on Jeremy's wall that he's got, like, all the pictures of Nancy? Oh, no, I didn't notice that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got these, like, hand-drawn pictures of Nancy <laughs> on his wall. <laughs> But they all look like something that, like, your daughters would have drawn. <laughs> no, I didn't. I'll have to go back and look at that. That does sound very Jeremy. Actually, your daughters probably could do a better job than, <laughs> like, what Jeremy did. He probably thinks he's a great artist. That's probably... I can imagine Jeremy <laughs> thinking that he's a bit, you know, could be an artist if he wanted to be. Yeah, well, he is a creative. And that does... This thing does make sense, doesn't it? Of something that's said later on that doesn't make any sense about jobs he's getting into. And he says, yeah, and he says about... He, there's loads of areas for creatives like me, trainers and architecting. 
which he later says to Tony, and it doesn't really make any sense, and it still doesn't make loads of sense, but at least yeah. he said it here, so it kind of, we know that he's thinking he could either, I guess, design trainers or get into architecture. Okay, I was going to I was gonna ask if by trainers he meant designing uh, sneakers. Yeah, that's my guess. I mean, I, I can't think of what else it would be. I don't think he means personal training. No, no, I don't think so. Yeah, so it must be it must be designing shoes. I think I thought when I heard it in the actual episode when he says it to Tony, I think I thought he was saying train as an architect, like that's what he meant. But he definitely oh. saying trainers and architecting. Yeah i I watch it I watch it on Hulu with closed captioning, and also I have the script book with me, and it is definitely trainers and architecting, which is uh, which cracks me up because those are so too like totally distinct jobs that I don't know why he thinks he'd be qualified for either of them. Yeah, architecture is like a seven-year degree over here. I don't know what it is over there, but you definitely can't just walk into architecture. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe you can into designing trainers. Maybe you don't need anything for that, but architecture, definitely. He couldn't even get his first degree. We know that, so <laughs> he's not going to do a seven-year architecture degree, is he? I could see a, a sneaker designer just kind of knocking on like Nike's door or something like that and just saying... Hey, here's some cool sneakers that I that I designed. Yeah, exactly. Like if you've got it, Adidas will take you. That's that's a given. But you know, architecture is that there's a lot of laws surrounding that. I'm not trying to besmirch fashion design either, because I know that there are people who do fashion design that go and get a four year degree. Mm. But I imagine that fashion design might be kind of a similar thing where you just design some clothes and you know, kind of just go from there. Yeah, if you're naturally talented, like, I don't, I, I mean, I could be wrong, but my guess is that, like, Vivian Westwood probably doesn't have any kind of, you know, she probably just started out designing clothes and went from there. I imagine that if you've got it, you can make a success of it without the qualifications. One of my wife's friends does dress design where she makes dresses and she does a lot of really cool stuff. And my wife actually, I either her birthday or Christmas a couple years ago, my wife and I commissioned her friend to make my wife a custom dress, and it was pretty. Is pretty fun. I wish I was creative like that. I've got no talent. I'm quite creative, but I can't. I can't do the practical stuff. I feel like I have creativity, but I'm not necessarily like have the ability to do stuff with it. So Jeremy decides that he is going to be the man for their phony marriage, and he's going to get a job. So he goes to work in. <laughs> Tony's office, doesn't he? Yeah, what kind of office do you think Tony has? It, it is it like a call center? My guess is it's like a call center, yeah, because there's like a sign on the cubicle that says something like it says something about like a smile goes a long way or something, doesn't it? With like like talking about how people can hear your attitude on the phone. So that's my guess is that it's some sort of call center. Do you think this is a call center for her pyramid scheme? Like do you think she sells her pyramid scheme stuff? <laughs> maybe, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, maybe. It's a, oh my god! It's the only thing that makes sense to me because she never talks about a business. She never talks about anything else. The only thing she ever talks about is her pyramid scheme. That's true. I mean, she looks quite corporate here, but the office looks shit. So maybe you're yeah. right. Maybe it is something to do with her washing up liquid pyramid scheme. I love that Jeremy puts like the teeny tiny postage stamp picture of him and Nancy on his desk. Yeah, it's a passport photo in a tiny frame, isn't it? Oh, is that what? Oh, okay. I thought they were both of them were in that picture, but yeah, I guess you're right. It is just a picture of Nancy. No, they are both in it, but like they're both in it in the booth. Oh, right. Yeah. No, it's like they've both got in the booth for the passport picture and and had it and like so yeah, they're both squeezed in and it's they're both in that tiny photograph. 
Yeah, that just really cracks me up when he starts like moving his desk around and he moves like the tiny photo from the left to the right and, his apple. and back to the left. <laughs> yeah, he's just so thrilled to have his own space and his own phone. Yeah, and he's like, me, bringing home the bacon for my fiancé. <laughs> and um, Tony's quite cynical about it, isn't she? She calls him a phone monkey and says that she'll take all the phone monkeys she can wrangle. Yeah, she kind of makes fun of him for being engaged. And she kind of, what, I don't know, how, how would you describe it? She kind of insinuates that she knows that they're not having sex still. Yeah, she's, a, she's, she's scathing, isn't she? And Nancy in general, she refers to her as the yank. And then she she makes a comment that makes it clear she knows they're not having sex. And Jeremy says, that's not terribly important because we're in love. Yeah. And, and Tony says something about a movie called Love Story. Have you seen Love Story? Because I have never seen it. Oh, yeah. It's, I think it's America. It is American. Is it? I think. I'm sure it is. Yeah, I think so. Hang on. I'm going to Google it just before I make a fool of myself. But I'm sure it is. Oh, you and I it's, are doing um... the exact same thing. <laughs> Love Story. It's a really soppy film about this couple and... Think she gets cancer? Yeah, a roman American romantic drama. Oh, okay. It looks like it was made in 1970, which would explain why I've never seen it. Yeah, it's got Ryan O'Neill in it. He was a big deal, wasn't he? He was. My granddad loved it. That's how I know about it. I'm pretty sure she gets cancer at the end, and she definitely dies. Holy shit! This had Tommy Lee Jones in his film film debut in a minor role. That's crazy. Oh, there you go. All right. She makes funeral arrangements and then asks for her boyfriend and tells him not to blame himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Sounds like it could it could fit. Like Tony's Tony's being on with the love story. Um, yeah, it's proper depressing. Yeah. 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 Goddamn. Yeah, and she says, "Doesn't she?" I've seen love story. Yeah, I know it. And someone dies. So yeah, she's got a very cynical take on love and marriage at this point. Yeah. No kidding. And. Which is weird because, you know, she has gotten remarried to Tony and it seems like everything between Tony and Tony is going fine, so... That's true. I mean, he's a prick, so it's probably just more that she's aware of... What? Do you not think? Do you not Whoa. think he's a bit of a dickhead? Whoa. You and I are going to completely disagree on this. <laughs> I mean, she's an idiot as well, but I think they're both as bad as each other. I don't want to jump too far ahead. What does Tony do that makes you... that makes him a dickhead? Uh, yeah, I guess that's... In your opinion. Like, looking back at... Looking back at, at things that have happened, like, what what makes you not like Tony? I suppose I don't like Tony because of everything, what Tony says and insinuates about him, which you're right, is not what we actually see. We don't actually see him do anything that bad. Or anything bad at all, really. Yeah. I mean, she's the one that kind of kind of gets on him a little bit, but, I mean, we'll, we'll, let's put a pin in this, and then we'll talk about Tony after the episode is over. So now we get over to Mark and Sophie and they're meeting for lunch. And the only thing that I could think of when I was watching this scene is Sony, Sony, Sophie is a fucking glutton for punishment. Yeah. Why has she been for lunch? It doesn't really, I don't really understand that, but they seem to be getting on with each other. I mean, think about it. The last time they saw each other, Mark was like borderline rapey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. He was. He blew up her relationship, which, I mean, for, you know, is a good thing or a bad thing, depending on how you want to look at it. I mean, I, I suppose if my significant other was cheating on me, I guess I would want to know. But I think it's the way that he did it was just really scuzzy. Yeah, he didn't do it for altruistic reasons, did he? Yeah, exactly. He didn't really do it for altruistic reasons. You know, he was trying to, like, insinuate that Jeff beat her and all this stuff. And now all of a sudden they're, like, good friends again. Yeah, they're, they're best mates going out for a coffee. It's really weird. 
And Mark seems really surprised that Sophie just wants to be friends with him, and I am too. Uh, yeah, he's not wrong to be surprised there, I don't think. No, no, definitely not surprised. And, uh, um, let's see here. Then Sophie asks Mark how he's doing, and he's like, fine, fine. The human being's basic needs are very are really very simple: food, liquid, entertainment, and the release of fluids at regular intervals. <laughs> which, that's such a mock outlook on life. Yeah, really. For some reason, I feel that that's like just a super gross assessment of of life. Yeah, it has to be a human. Oh shit! Breaking news! Breaking fucking news! Matt King just retweeted me. Oh wow. Did you did you see the the Twitter post I made said thanks to all the new followers this feed has turned into soccer conversation. I guess I have to start watching soccer so that I can understand. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> okay, I posted that Matt King retweeted me. Lesson 1. It's called fucking football. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going on my Twitter now. Let's have a look. Oh fuck. Oh, that's awesome. Hold on, I'm going to go like that real quick. Oh, Jesus Christ, that's so fucking funny. <laughs> I've liked it as well. There you go. Uh, I don't know about you, but every time I read Matt King's tweets, I just imagine Superhand saying it. <laughs> I think he does really talk like that, though. So, oh, I'm you sure know, he does. Wrong. He's in a drama at the moment on BBC One that started last week. Yeah, After Dark? Just, yeah, that's right. And he just, like, totally sounds like Superhand's in it. I can't take it seriously because it's just Superhand's. <laughs> oh... Oh, and you know, honestly, when I tweeted that, this was the this was the response that I was waiting for. <laughs> like, it's called. I was waiting for somebody, anybody, to respond. It's fucking football. <laughs> uh, I'm replying to it now. I'm saying it's not not his fault. He's American. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is great. Uh, see, this is why it's fun to be on, uh, have Twitter up on one screen while <laughs> podcasting on the other. Because then shit like this happens, and you can report on it in real time. Um, <laughs> so, anyways, uh, who should I follow? Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> <laughs> you should. See, like, seriously, my my Twitter feed since... So, also, the other thing that happened is when Matt King retweeted us about our podcast, our Twitter feed, we went from 10 followers to 130 in the span of, like, days. Yeah. And, of course, Matt King, probably his audience that's on his Twitter feed is going to be predominantly, you know, England, United Kingdom area. Mm. So my Twitter feed has all of a sudden turned into, like, nonstop football conversation. <laughs> and I don't fucking understand any of it. Like, I might as Yeah, I can't really help you because I don't understand loads of it. I understand a bit of it. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. I mean, it might as well be fucking, like, um, cricket or something because... <laughs> I have no idea what's going on when when people are tweeting about stuff. And there was... Yeah. So it's pretty funny. Um, I try to read my Twitter feed so I can stay engaged with people, but I just don't... You don't understand what's going on. No. Nope. Uh, <laughs> so anyways, uh, I'm trying to think of where we left off. Okay, yeah, so... Uh, so we were talking... Oh, so Mark and uh, Sophie... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now, So now Sophie asks... Mark, you know, how his love life is going, which is a fucked conversation, which is a fucked question to ask. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's completely inappropriate, isn't it? Especially as you think she'd want to, like, stay 
well away from that topic of conversation. Oh shit, I didn't even think about it from that perspective, but yeah. It's insensitive, it's opening a can of worms, like there's loads of problems with this as a concept. It is a weird question to ask because, like you said, you would think you'd want to stay away from that, that conversation because... It really can only go fucking one way. And she's not going to like the response. And it, she's quite lucky that he comes back with like a pithy, sort of funny response because he could sort of, he could make this serious now, couldn't he? Yeah, what does he, what does he say? Something about... Uh, it says, love life may be a rather grandiose term for staring at women on the bus. And then Sophie, in the small town of London, Sophie and Mark just happened to bump into another mutual friend of Sophie and Nancy's named Karen. Yeah, that's that does seem unlikely. I mean, I guess my only guess is that is that they're in maybe like a smallish town in a, in the larger scope of. So, if I was where I live, I obviously if I'm going if I'm going to be somewhere more Londony, but like if I went to a little town nearby, I might see girls I went to school with. But this does seem far-fetched, but it moves the plot along, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's a, I guess that's a good point. But this is a friend of, another friend of Nancy's, even though we never see Sophie and Nancy really interact, and we never then see Karen and Nancy interact either. They all apparently know each other. Or Karen and Sophie. So they interact, but we never see Karen and Nancy interact, do we? And Sophie says that Karen is a friend of Nancy's. I think that the reason we never see women characters talking is because obviously the show is from a male perspective. But it's just, it's interesting nonetheless, you know, that you never really... They, they literally never speak to each other, and I have put this in my notes, and I'll mention this later, and you, you can't think too deeply about it, I don't think, because it is from two men's point of view, so it's you, it's not it's not necessarily ignoring women's thoughts, it's just there's no scope for it, but you do literally never see women talking to each other, it just doesn't happen. It's one of those things that I never thought about until you mentioned it, and so... No, but until you start thinking about it, you don't think about it, if you know what I mean, and it's not... It's it, like it's not my intention to try and put some sort of feminist like you can't put a feminist slant on it. That's not where it's coming from. But actually, the female characters never speak to each other or interact with each other in any way. That's a really interesting point that you you bring up and everything. Yeah. Um, I like I like how Mark actually is a little charming. Um, yeah, he's quite sweet here, isn't he? He's quite he's he's quite sweet to her. You don't feel like he hates the idea of seeing her again or like or you don't feel like he hates the idea of maybe being interested in a woman that isn't sophie right and he has this he has this thing where he's like isn't it like he's trying to talk to karen and he's like oh isn't it funny what's with all this coffee i'm just gonna go over to my stupid friend and grr, give her a good <laughs> shake yeah he um He's quite playful, isn't he, this, this bit? Yeah, I, li I like when he's thinking he's like, too formal, lighten up, and then he just winks at her, and he's like, light, not slimy, can't retract the wink unless... It's a creepy, creepy, creepy yeah. wink, yeah. <laughs> and then he just, he just starts like, twitching both of his eyes, and like, twitching his face, like, almost like Jeremy did in the interview. Yeah, it becomes like some sort of Bell's palsy situation, like, yeah. I thought exactly that, like, Jeremy has in the interview. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then Mark's just like, brilliant. The twitching freak works every time. <laughs> and to be fair to Karen, she doesn't look she doesn't look really like put off by it, does she? But she could have done. She could have thought, no. Oh my god, what is this absolute mental case doing? But actually, she looks like she's quite interested in Mark. We unfortunately know nothing about Karen outside of that her name is Karen and that she's friends with Nancy. So, you know, we don't really know like what her character motivations are or if she's been no, jilted no. lately or, you know, just had a string of shitty relationships. But, you know, she definitely seems 
like excited that that Mark is, um, you know, like at least engaging in a conversation with her. Yeah, and she likes the idea that if he, she, he says doesn't maybe everyone will call me. I'm in the book, and you know that you think she might do. She might give him a ring. <laughs> Although he says something later that like really bothers me at the wedding reception, but we'll again, I don't want to. Oh, I know exactly the comment you're talking about. Yeah, we'll talk about that when we get to that scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, so now we get over to the Oval Tavern, and we get there for Jeremy's stag party with a very eclectic mix of fucking people here. I mean, obviously we've got Mark and Super Hands there, but we also have. Tony? Yeah, why would Tony be there? It doesn't make any sense that Tony would be there other than that Jeremy's got no friends and they've just literally got together the first people they can find at short notice. Yeah. And then who the fuck is Darren? Yeah, Darren's never mentioned again, is he? And neither is Sam the Buddhist. Oh, I guess, yeah. I, I always I always confuse Sam and Stu. <laughs> yeah, no, Stu, Stu is a monk. Sam's a Buddhist. Um, but I love that they all they all have these like fucking stick on <laughs> mustaches. Yeah, that's the height of zaniness. That's the zaniest thing they could do for this stag. Yeah, I I also there's also a really interesting quote here, and I don't know if this was intended as foreshadowing or or what. But um, Superhand says, you know, we don't need to go paintballing in a go kart in Amsterdam. So in the in the Peep Show script book, the script Sophie and Mark go to Paris. Go karting while paintballing in Amsterdam is how Johnson spends his stag party. Because in that script, Johnson is getting married to Tony. Yeah, weirdly. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. Maybe that's just like the cliche things that they thought that a stag would be at that time. I don't know. I mean, stags did go crazy. I mean, they are still quite crazy. They did go crazy for a while, and that was like the cliche thing that men did was go paintballing and go-karting and go to Amsterdam. It would have been better if Johnson had been in this scene at the stag party, and then you could have just That's had... That's true, actually, yeah. You could have just had his face, like, light up a little bit, like, oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. that's a, good, oh, that's a yeah. good idea. Yeah. This did remind me, sort of, sadly, of my hen a little bit, though, because I had... I mean, I enjoyed it, but it was a pretty lame hen. I just wanted the pub and mixed-gender gathering, and there actually were stick-on moustaches that my hen do in a crap pub. So. <laughs> It wasn't a million miles from this. So you could you call him a hen do? Yeah. So the girls is the hen and the boys is the stag. Oh yeah, it's here it's bachelor bachelor party, bachelorette party. Right, yeah, yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Um, my bachelor party was crazy. Yeah, I mean you probably had a proper stag. Phil Phil had a proper stag, my husband had a proper stag, they went to Brighton, you know, they were all the cliche stag things, but I have a lot of friends that have male and i just wanted to have like a mixed gender hub night but it was a bit like this it was a bit shit yeah my my wife and her sisters and yeah my wife and her sisters and i think one or two of her friends they just kind of had like a like a slumber party kind of deal over at our apartment right yeah and of course i showed up the next morning like just looking like shit and feeling like shit um <laughs> so I was just like, oh, hey, everybody, how's it going? Sort of like I feel today. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember loads about the end of my Hindu, um, but my best friend left her coat and her keys and her shoes in the cab I was in, and then her boyfriend phoned me and said, have you seen Jenna? And I hadn't, but I did have a key, so <laughs> it was all fine in the end, but that was the kind of night we had. <laughs> one, of the other, one of the other little things in this, in, this, uh, in this scene that really cracks me up is 
super hands like smoking indoors. <laughs> yeah, you could do that then. That was that was fine. In downtown Kansas City, you could actually smoke indoors until about I want to say like 2008. I think 2008 was when they banned indoor smoking. And I was a smoker at the time, and I was really pissed about it. I was like, fuck, I can't smoke anywhere now. Like, what is this bullshit? Yeah, it was. we've just had the 10-year anniversary. It was the 1st of July 2007 that indoor smoking got banned here. It, it's weird because there's, I don't know about over there, but here there's a lot of, as with every law, there's a lot of little loopholes in the law, in the indoor smoking law. Right, yeah. So if your establishment is a club like, quote-unquote, a club, indoor smoking is fine. Right. So what happened is a lot of the bars here changed over into clubs. Oh, okay. No, I mean, it's a very strict law here, but they have, you can smoke, like, outside if there aren't any, if there aren't four walls, so they make these little shelters with, like, a seat, like, a roof and, like, three walls that are on the side of the pub, and that's, like, the smoking area, Mm -hmm. so that's where people go. There's this dive bar in in downtown Kansas City called Buzzards Beach. And Buzzards Beach was... I mean, I still think it is. I, I, haven't, been, I haven't been to Buzzards Beach in several years. But um, at the time, Buzzards Beach was like the most popular bar. It's kind of... We have kind of a bar district in downtown Kansas City called Westport. Right. And Buzzards Beach was kind of one of the more popular bars with the people that lived in Westport. Like, non-Westport people would, like, go there, but, you know, it was mostly kind of, like, a towny bar. And um, it was always impossible to find seating. Like, the upstairs area was always a clusterfuck. And the first day of the smoking ban, we walked inside, and it was just amazing. Like, you could find seating, like, wide open, you know, fucking like three people inside there because all the other 40 people are outside smoking really see even in like 2008 you just wouldn't have thought that many people were smoking like that surprises me but you know it it did have an impact here on trade so clearly a lot more people were smoking than we thought yeah i i quit smoking man in 2000 i guess 2009 i quit smoking But I had smoked for I had smoked for quite a while. Oh, I guess it was two thousand eight. It was two thousand eight um, when I quit smoking because I quit smoking before I meet I met my wife. Right. But yeah, I mean, it was it was it, it's funny because I feel like smoking at one point was like the height of coolness. Like if you weren't cool if you if you didn't smoke, and now it's kind of gotten to the point where like ooh you smoke that's gross ew. Yeah, I mean, I was reading something about this because we've just had the 10-year anniversaries of the smoking ban, so there were quite a few sort of articles and stuff about it. And I think it was in The Guardian, and it was saying that, like, it has worked. Not being able to smoke inside has stopped people smoking. So I think that it has had a massive change on people's attitude because I agree, like, it was it was what the cool kids did. I mean, it, it was. And I've never been, like, I've never smoked. Like, I never smoked in the morning. So I always said I wasn't, like, a proper smoker, but I was a social smoker. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would smoke at the pub and I would smoke in the day. So, you know, and it definitely stopped me. You don't want to go outside and smoke. No, no, definitely you don't want uh, especially in Kansas City or in Kansas it's really humid. So right. even during the summer it is like still it can be a little miserable being outside because of just how fucking humid yeah, yeah. it is. I mean, here it's just always raining, so no one wants to go and stand in the rain and smoke. That's shit. Oh, so that's not just a witty. That's not just a witty uh, 
<laughs> no, uh, I mean, I mean, it's it's not always raining. This isn't Manchester where it actually is always raining, but it rains a lot. <laughs> oh man. Um, but yeah, the last thing that happens in this scene is Mark is kind of trying to. He's kind of like trying to elbow hands a little bit. You know, come on. Yeah, he's giving him the eyebrows, doesn't he? Like, go on, go, go on, on, go on. Yeah. Right as as hands is about to say it, though the waitress brings out tequila slammers for everybody. And I couldn't help but think of you when they came, when the tequila slammers came out, because I, what was that drink that we were talking about? Oh, I said a couple of weeks ago, didn't I, that yeah, you're either Camp Zambuca or Camp Tequila. And I was always Camp Tequila. Yeah. So I was like, I was like, oh shit, this is Laura's GM right here. <laughs> that was my drink of choice. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and Sam is, you know, like, Oh, I, I can't drink, guys. I'm a Buddhist. And hands basically like peer, they all basically peer pressure the fuck out of him. And then when Sam goes to. Yeah, they start chanting, don't they? Slam, slam, slam. Slam, 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 <laughs> slam. And as Sam slams, the glass shatters and just cuts the fucking shit out of his yeah. hand. Yeah, because I don't even really understand why you have to slam it. Like, I don't even yeah. totally... It doesn't doesn't do anything to the drink that you do that. So, I mean, I guess it's like a plot device. If I was drinking this Keeper Slammer, I wouldn't I wouldn't slam it on my hand in a, in a glass receptacle, but okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> shit. Um, I love that. I love, I love like the fake scream you hear in the background where it's like, oh. <laughs> And someone is it Hanses? I don't think Buddha was too pleased. That's a... <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. Hands with yeah. his Fu Manchu mustache. I don't think Buddha is too pleased about that. <laughs> like I don't know how you feel about the scene in the in the hospital, but goddamn Jeremy's face. Like unfortunately, you really need to watch this scene to get the full humor of it it's the crying face that's so funny i think in this scene he, robert webb just does a, a brilliant crying face and, and again like we said earlier you know this show is not really like the acting is good but in this scene especially robert webb just fucking knocks it out of the park yeah. it is absolutely crazy how good he is in this scene yeah, he's really funny. Um, basically, it starts with Superhands and Mark, and they're sitting in the waiting room, and <laughs> Superhands still has a beer with him, and he's just drinking a beer in the waiting room. <laughs> yeah, he's just drinking the beer. And Mark is like, "Are are you gonna do it? Are you gonna do it?" And Hands is like, uh, "I don't, I don't know, I don't, I don't know." And um, he's, he's wasting out, isn't he? Yeah, basically. yeah. I think if left to his own devices, Hands wouldn't say anything now. Yeah, he's basically trying to like, you know, uh, um. But then Jeremy walks back in and he's like, well, this will be a night to remember. And then let's just go ahead and play Mark and Jeremy, or excuse me, Mark and Hans's confession to Jeremy right here, because it is fucking awesome. Listen, Jez, um, there's something I've been meaning to tell you that I, I didn't want to tell you. Yeah? Yeah, it's about Nancy. I know you two aren't doing it, and uh, it must have got to her, because the other day... She sucked me off while I was having a whittle. What? Yeah, not just as, obviously, but uh, right after. I didn't want to. Uh, she's obviously into that sort of thing. It was pretty disgusting. I don't believe you. Seriously? I wouldn't lie about a thing like this. Anyway, Mark saw the whole thing. Mark? Yep. 
I wouldn't have believed it, but I saw the whole darn shooting match. Really? Afraid so. Definitely. Fuck, I can't believe she'd do something like that. Jez, mate, cheer up. You'll, you'll get over her. How could she do something like that to me? God. I love her. I really love her. What am I going to do? You'd have forgotten her in a week. <laughs> you know what you like, you, you big idiot. <laughs> Everything's turned from gold. It's a shit. <laughs> Jez. Yeah? It was a joke. A joke? Yeah, we we were joking. She, she, she didn't suck his whittle. It was a put-on. Yeah. We stagged you. Good and proper. Oh, right. Brilliant. Yeah, you fucking guys. You got me all right. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> fucking weepy face and holy shit that scene is so good i love as well oh. that mark and his week it was a put on <laughs> we stacked it good and proper like they're, they're so so unconvincing and jez is saying oh it's really funny but he's still crying i may not want to hear the answer because i <laughs> kind of think i know what it is but what is a whittle it's like yeah going for a, for a piss that's it yeah yeah okay yeah, yeah that's what i thought that's what i thought yeah it's like, but then what, what makes me laugh here is it's like a word you'd use to a child. Like you wouldn't, I don't know, like it's not, it's not a word you'd use to another grown up in everyday use, I wouldn't say. I like Anders like, she's into that kind of thing, it was disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's just like, then he's just like, Mark saw the whole thing. Mark saw the <laughs> Yeah, why would Mark have seen the whole thing? There's, and there's no plausible explanation for that. Mark just says, yeah, yeah I saw it. I saw like, it. What? <laughs> Why would Jeremy go for that? Why would he believe that was true? Uh, oh my god. Oh. oh god, it was so funny. Oh Christ. It's a great scene. We stagged you. We stagged you good and proper. <laughs> yeah, that's a great stag joke right there. Oh man. Uh, if I ever get married again, which I'm like, don't think is going to happen because I, I think the one I've got is pretty good. Um, but I hope my mates stag me good and proper. <laughs> yeah, that was a great, great stag joke coming your way. Definitely a good stag joke. <laughs> it was a put-on. It was a put-on. <laughs> <laughs> so now we get to the, the titular wedding. And Laura, I think that this would probably be a good scene for you to really discuss. Because it seems like you kind of have a very familiar relationship with this scene that i don't necessarily have yeah so they're at the register register office and it's it's very true in terms of registry offices um the register office where i got married was actually more pleasant than this but that's unusual this is a very standard like concrete box register office in london and they come up to the like, little table and it is it does look a bit like a town hall sort of room it's pretty crap um, and I was talking to a few people, like on Twitter and on Facebook, um, and everyone that I asked the question about this episode said that this was their, the bit that stood out to them as the funniest bit. Oh. Um, which I agree is, it's, 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 it's very funny. Yeah, I really like this. Um, basically, 
there's probably what like 30 or 30 people at the wedding do you think yeah if that it's not a huge crowd as jeremy and and nancy are walking up for some reason both tony and tony are at the wedding i just thought that was because they've they've got not got any people to invite and they need to make it look legit i'm sure yeah i'm sure that's probably what it is but you know tony just very politely is like oh you know nancy looks really good and tony and tony is like I'll be so glad when we never have to talk about both of these <laughs> characters in the same breath. Tony's like, I didn't know this was the fucking Nancy Appreciation Society. Tony, if you want to bring her, just come out and say it. And I love the way he just looks at her and he's like, okay, I would like to bang her there. I mean, that is kind of an instance of Tony, man Tony being a bit of a shitbag. I know that she makes him say it, but... He's like they clearly their relationship isn't great. When I said earlier that he was a bit of a wanker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then I know this is your this is your favorite bit, so I definitely want to play the the actual wedding ceremony for, for Nancy and, and Jeremy right here. Yeah, please do. Hi, we're here to get married. Uh, just one thing before we start. For us to be a bit different, when I'm meant to say I do, I want to say do I. I'm sorry. You know, do I as in do I ever? Look, you should have spoken to someone about this before. No, but do I, as in do I? I'm sorry. He's just excited because we're both so happy to be getting married. Where's Sophie? She said she'd be here. Don't get hung up, Mark. It's over. Case closed. Do you take Nancy as your wife and promise to walk by her side forever as her best friend, her lover and her soulmate? Do I? Say I do. I do. <laughs> do I? As in, do I ever? <laughs> Everyone I spoke to that had been married had a story about how they'd made this joke before they got married or, in the case of me and my husband, made the joke to the registrar in the pre-wedding <laughs> interview and I think she thought we weren't taking the whole thing seriously and maybe wasn't. She, I think she maybe had second thoughts about agreeing to get us married. Yeah, I, I got married before I had seen this episode. Had I seen this episode, I probably would have tried to talk my wife the same. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and, and like literally everyone I know that's married said that it had crossed their minds to, to try and do it. <laughs> uh, it's, it is a very, very fucking funny scene and I one that I just really, really love. I love as well... Um, Jeremy and Hans's suits in this that are so out of place to the surroundings. They've got these like white suits on with these crazy 80s metallic cummerbunds. And it just, it looks crazy compared to the rest. Like even Nancy's not very formally dressed no. and they're just they look ridiculous. They do this like little like devil horn thing at each other that really cracks me up too. Oh yeah. Like the rock on yeah. sign. Like, yeah, that's really funny. Um, so anyways, as with any good wedding, we have the reception afterwards and Jeremy is just talking to his aunt Helen and we, I don't think we ever see aunt Helen or hear about aunt Helen again. No. Nancy kind of comes up and is like, Oh my God, I just got a, I just got an interview at the health club. They're underqualified, but if I get there by four, they'll consider me. And then she just like pieces the fuck out. And, and Jeremy's like, you're not going. And like, oh, you're going. Like, he can't believe that she would leave in the middle of their wedding reception. Yeah, I, I love when, I love as she's leaving and he's like, see you later, Mrs. Osborne. <laughs> 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 um, but then at that point, and then Jeremy looks at his aunt and he's like, 
it's a biggie. <laughs> Poor Aunt Helen. Poor Aunt Helen. She doesn't know what kind yeah. of shit is happening here. <laughs> but Jeremy kind of disappears into the bathroom, and Mark comes in to see if he's okay. And um, <laughs> Jeremy just is like, it's super hands. He's done four <laughs> grams of Coke to relax him for the speech. And Mark just looks at him and says, it didn't relax him. And then Jeremy opens the bathroom door and um, Hans is like sprawled out kind of on the bathroom floor, I guess. But he's like pressed against the wall like he's in like on a roller coaster, you know, like when you get kind of pulled back. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. He's like between the wall and the sort of toilet, isn't he? And he's yeah, he looks like there's a he's in a wind tunnel, basically. A funny story about this scene, there was a Mitchell and Webb interview that they did with Armstrong and Bain for The Guardian, I think. Oh, yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, they like when the season nine premiere was on mm-hmm. at the BFI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They actually talked about this scene, and they said that every time they would film it, they would close the door, and they would open it up, and Matt King would have a different expression or be doing <laughs> something different. So they never knew what he was going to be doing when they opened the door. <laughs> so he kept making them laugh. So I think they said that it took them, you know, four or five times uh, recording the scene before they were finally able to do it without laughing. But I can imagine, I can imagine the different faces they came up with. Yeah, and I'm glad they settled on this one though because it is a very funny oh my place. god, it's so funny. He just he just looks like he's experiencing. What what was it that he said to Mark that he was doing, um, staring in the mirror or something like that? Oh, yeah, long weekend looking into the mirror. Yeah, yeah, it looks like he's going to be having another long weekend looking into the mirror. <laughs> I mean, I, my experiences with cocaine are limited, but four grams of coke would kill you, surely, wouldn't it? I mean, that's a, that's, that's a joke in itself. I, I mean... Surely he couldn't couldn't have done four grams of coke. He'd be dead. That's a lot of coke. And There's a lot of coke. Yeah, that's, that's that seems a lot. And I don't even know how much four grams of coke would cost. No, I've got no idea. Yeah. Probably more money than you'd imagine yeah. Superhands to have. Although he did win on the fruity, so maybe he made the money on the quiz machine. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, Mark, kind of to the rescue here, is just like. Calm down, Jez. It's going to be okay. Listen, it's your special day. And even if I have to die of anxiety making an off-the-cuff speech, we're going to keep it special. <laughs> I love when he says we're going to keep it special. And he's like, and they try to have a little hug, don't they? And it looks really awkward. But you can tell that, that, that Mark really means that. That's He wants to do the best thing for his friend. Yeah. Yeah. And Jeremy looks like halfway relieved that Mark is, you know, going to try to like bail him out here. So. Mm. So now we actually get Mark's best man speech. I really wish that my best man would have made a similar speech, but in case my best man is listening to this podcast, this episode, because I know he does listen, Paul, your speech was fucking awesome. <laughs> the best man at my wedding, actually, I was talking to uh, this podcast, uh, talking to him today about his podcast, and I made him subscribe to it on his phone for numbers, but he said, I won't be listening to that. So he's definitely not listening. <laughs> Oh, oh goddamn it! Hey, <laughs> hey, numbers. Exactly, numbers matter. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I bleed for analytics, so you know. <laughs> yeah. Even if you don't, even if you don't listen, just subscribe. Yeah, you, you, you're there. Sam's there. He's he's subscribed. 
I can say what I like about him. It was a good speech. I'll, I'll give him that. Oh, that's that's good. Um, my best man had kind of a crippling. He's kind of got like a crippling fear of like speaking to people. And he <laughs> he told me if he had thought about the best man speech, that he probably wouldn't have accepted it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, he had this. He had he had a really kick-ass handlebar mustache and was shaking like. <laughs> I think he was probably like three or four drinks in by the time the best man speech came out, so that he was at least like you know somewhat kind of relaxed for the the best man speech. But his best man speech was really good. So yeah, Alwood and poor Sam, he was like because I did a speech as well, and obviously me and Phil were both teachers, so we're sort of used to speaking in public, so I weren't really bothered. And Phil had done worksheets for like the comedy value and did it like a lesson. And poor Sam is a plumber and not really doesn't really <laughs> talk to people on mass. So he was really nervous about his speech, but he did a good job. That was uh, yeah. Does he ever? Does Sam ever talk about water Legos? <laughs> that is a constant joke to us to Sam that he hates. We talk about this all the time. Phil is always saying, "Oh, it's just water Lego, your job." <laughs> minimal water damage <laughs> oh fuck i can't wait to get to that episode yeah you're jumping about five series ahead yeah 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 i know i can't i fucking love that episode so much it's a great episode so anyways we're gonna go ahead and play mark's best man speech right here so and i'm actually gonna play the extended version where he actually talks about the the tennis racket oh from the deleted scenes yeah so Ladies and gentlemen, you'll forgive me, I, I haven't prepared a proper speech, but then uh, perhaps that's appropriate since this isn't a proper wedding. Or so the cynics may say. But I say to those cynics, listen cynics, this is the modern world and just because it's new and, and strange and unnerving doesn't mean it's not brilliant. I, I mean, Take graphite tennis rackets, for example. Now, you may argue that they've forever destroyed tennis as a spectator sport by making the serve an overly mighty weapon, and you'd be right. But look me in the eye and tell me they're not a hell of a lot better than the wooden ones. And that, my friends, is called progress. In ancient Rome, they had Cupid. In modern days, it's the home office. Love is blind. That, that's not a joke about David Blunkett. <laughs> no, seriously, I, I would never make that joke. So I, I say to Jeremy and... Where's Nancy? Job interview. Health club. It's a biggie. Oh, okay. Uh, I say to Nancy, good luck with, with the interview. And I say to Jeremy, good luck with the marriage. And I think the rest of us can... Unite in, in all saying, two fingers to, to the cynics, and raising our glasses to true love. True love. And that was actually the extended edition from the deleted scenes where Mark actually includes this quote about graphite tennis rackets and progress and stuff. And That uh, completely went over my head. I know nothing about tennis rackets, so I'm glad they deleted that because I was just like, well, scratching my head. Yeah, it didn't really add a lot. It, it, it's weird that it seemed like such a minor thing to edit out. Yeah, maybe they did like a test audience and they were like me and said, no, nothing about tennis rackets, so delete that. I like when he's like, two fingers to love or, oh, two <laughs> fingers to the cynics. 
I love as well that the only laugh he gets is from the joke that he says he's not making about David Blunkett, the distasteful blind joke. Oh yeah, you'll have to explain. You'll have to explain that one to me. So David Blunkett was the Home Secretary at the time, who like is in charge of border control, and uh, he was blind. That that's the joke. Literally, he he was a blind man, but um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like had a guide dog and everything. But um, Mark's so keen to not make that joke joke that he points it out and obviously everyone laughs i know and he's like no really i wasn't making him a joke <laughs> i would never make that joke yeah <laughs> nancy is of course at her job interview so jeremy is just kind of by herself so the dj's like here's the first you know the first song for the married couple and he starts playing solid like a rock yeah he says this is for jez and nancy doesn't he this is for jez and nancy and jeremy just starts dancing by himself and the entire time that the mark karen sophie stuff is going on you just see Robert Webb dancing in the background, and for some, <laughs> this when I when I canvassed people about this episode, this was the other bit that everyone stood out to everyone as being hilarious. And I remember when I first saw this episode because no one else was watching Peep Show, I was trying to explain how funny this bit was, and it's just really hard to explain verbally why it's so funny. But like you say, Robert Webb is just rocking out for the rest of this scene in the background, just dancing yeah. on his own. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, and I, I told you I told you earlier today, I said, you know, I've watched this episode. For some reason, I never caught his dancing in the background. <laughs> and you were like, what the fuck? That's the funniest part of this of this entire scene. Yeah, like I can't even concentrate on the dialogue because I'm watching him dancing the whole night. God damn, I don't even want to say Kramer-esque because it's not really like Kramer-esque, but it's just the way that he just throws himself full bore into... <laughs> into the dancing and he's got no rhythm he's got the rhythm of a potato he's just absolutely going for it even though he's a shit dancer yeah it's really it is so goddamn funny like he just throws himself full bore into this dance karen just happens to show up at the wedding and mark like seems genuinely happy that karen is there because he's really he was really upset that sophie wasn't yeah um and he just starts like talking to her and, you know, very, like, natural conversation. And, you know, he's like, hey, look at me. I'm a bit charming. Look, I'm a natural. Maybe I should try it on someone better looking. Fuck you. Yeah, that's mean, isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, we do see glimpses of this in Mark, which I think we discussed a couple of weeks ago when he, when he yeah. thinks about April and a low self-esteem. But it's mean and she's no. not bad looking and... And he's not, he's no oil painting himself, so, you know. Yeah, no kidding. Like, mm. what the fuck is that? Like, yeah. It, it just seems so, I mean, I, I shouldn't even really say it seems out of character, but it just, it's such a weird, yeah, it's weird. It's, that's probably like my least favorite line in this entire um, series. Although it does, or in this episode, I should say, although it does really, like kind of put you in Mark's you know headspace yeah i mean i guess it's about us seeing the insides of their brain and we don't always think the nicest things so i suppose it's about the honesty of seeing the from the point of view of the characters but it is horrible yeah and then then we get sophie walking in and um <laughs> she like sophie looks upset but she's doing a very good job of hiding it <laughs> yeah she looks a bit she's sort of She's, she looks ruffled, doesn't she? But she's not, like, hysterical or in tears like she was at the end of last week's episode where she is openly crying about Jeff. Yeah, and she apologizes for being late to the wedding and 
you know, she's talking about, oh, I'm I'm sorry, you know, Jeff and I were Jeff and I were breaking up and <laughs> Mark Mark has this line where he's like, Oh Soph, I'm so sorry, that's terrible. And then in his head he's like, That wasn't very convincing. <laughs> yeah, he can't even arrange his features in a way that looks sad. He looks gleeful. I know, I know. He's like trying to mask the expression on his face, but it just it he can't he can't help it. He just Yeah. He looks happy. <laughs> yeah. Very um, happy. So then Sophie just kind of mentions, Oh, you know, you and you and Karen look like you're you're getting along really well and um Karen is like, Oh, we're going out and then Mark just quickly is like, Oh, but you could come with us, Sophie. Yeah. <laughs> and she says, Isn't she what with you and you two? Like she's not convinced. Yeah, and then Mark, quick thinking Mark is like, No, uh us two and Sam and then Sam just kinda like springs up and he like is shaking Sophie's hand and um, you know, Mark's like Sam. I love Mark's introduction as well when he says he's a lovely single Buddhist. Yeah, yeah, and then Sam is like, "But I'm not a tantric Superman." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, and then Sophie just grabs a bottle to wine. And she's like, "Oh, what the hell? Bollocks to love." <laughs> yeah, it just starts drinking out of the bottle. Yeah, and then Mark, Mark is like, "Oh, great, woman of your dreams, only been single for minutes, and you're already." introducing her to somebody new good job mr fucking stupid stupid. (laughs) uh so back at apollo house we get our third and i believe final right deleted scene here yes yeah this is the um doobie doing scene yeah yeah nancy is so fucking annoying in this scene yeah she's really irritating and it's even worse in the extended scene or the deleted scene, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, where she starts talking about her love of Robin Williams films. Yeah, she. Nan, anyway, so what happens here is that Mark is on his like little easy chair, and Jeremy's on the couch, and Nancy's just like, you know, I think I'd like to move this chair over here. And, and she, what do you think about that, husband? And Mark's like, or and Jeremy's just like, <laughs> Mark, my wife would like to move the chair, and Mark's just like. <laughs> That's fine. And she moves the chair across the room for really no discernible reason. No, it's a, it's a dining chair. It doesn't need to be over there. It makes no sense. Yeah. And and as she is like, as she's going across, she's like, doobie doobie doo, doobie doobie doo. <laughs> and she, it's just, it's annoying. You can see that would be annoying. And she pretends like, oh, I don't know, is she pretending? But she's like, oh no, I don't think I was doobie doing. Yeah. And, and then, and Jeremy's like, no, you were definitely doobie doing. <laughs> <laughs> and then she she walks out of the room, and as she does, um, Mark, like, who's been reading his newspaper, kind of looks over his shoulder at Jeremy, and he's like, "She totally was." <laughs> <laughs> she was, and Jeremy says, "I know. We know. It's okay. We know. It's okay." Yeah. And then at this point, Nancy comes back in with like a bunch of Robin Williams fucking dvds and she starts oh do you want to watch this robin williams movie do you want to watch this robin williams movie i had no idea that robin williams had made so many films i was like as, as i was watching that and she was talking about it, i was googling and i'm like never heard of that never heard of that if it's not jumanji or mrs doubtfire like it passed me by yeah he was i mean he's a was a pretty prolific actor so um but <laughs> jeremy tells them that they just want to watch robocop instead <laughs> <laughs> um 
I really like the uh I really like when she says that he has a special twinkle. <laughs> and what is Mark what... Yeah, and is it Mark says he's a mo- no, I think he's a moist-eyed <laughs> camera hogger. <laughs> Do you think if this episode was made today that they would include that line given what ended up Yeah, I'm not sure you could get away with that now. I mean, I was thinking about this cuz he died like two weeks after my daughter was born, my first daughter, and I was in a in a very hormonal, emotional place, and I remember, like, hearing he died and, like, sobbing oh. like a baby and being like, let's watch Mrs. Doubtfire and being, like, so sad about it. And I thought, mm, yeah, but I was very hormonal and, you know, I wasn't really a massive Robin Williams fan, but I did think you couldn't get away with this today. Oh, uh, so were you, like, ugly crying, eating chocolate, thinking about Robin Williams? <laughs> Yeah, just like my husband came into the room. I remember I was like, Robin Williams is dead. They think he's killed himself. And he was like, oh, that's horrible. And I was like, it's so sad. I love this stuff. And he's like, you don't think that some of this could be hormones? And I was like, no, it's not hormones. I loved him. (laughs) God damn it, Phil. It was hormones. Um, Yeah, I'm here to, I'm going to apologize publicly to Phil and say it was hormones. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, man. Jesus. Um, so the next scene, we we go back to Jeremy's job with Tony. And do you think Tony is dressed like specifically sultry in this scene? Or, I mean, like, am I... It's, it's definitely a sexier version of the corporate wear she had on previously, isn't it? She was a bit more, she was a bit more demurely dressed previously. But now, she, yeah, it is quite, it's tighter. Yeah, she's wearing like a, she's wearing, you know, kind of like a, a suit top, but like... A mini skirt bottom? Yeah, it's a very short skirt. But it looks like it goes with the suit. So, I mean, it is professional-ish. But yeah, it's just, it's it's funny. And Jeremy walks in and Tony asks how the job is going. And Jeremy's just like, I feel like every day, quite a big part of me dies. <laughs> forever. <laughs> All been there, mate. I was like, yeah, I've had jobs like that. Okay, that was what I, I had. I, that was, I had made a mental note to ask you if you'd ever had a job like that. Yeah, definitely. I've had... I've had more than one job like that, but one springs to mind after I graduated before I did teacher training. And it was like, it was working in like a faceless office in a faceless, it wasn't an industrial state, but it was like in the Docklands and it was like rows and rows of offices that were all the same. I don't even, I did that job for like a year and I don't even know what my job was. That's how like pointless that job was. And it was just like engaging with clients and you know, and we had like a scoreboard of of how people were doing, and the girl I sat next to was really over enthusiastic about it, and she was always talking about her place on the scoreboard, and I just wanted to die every hour I was there. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm very much a sorry, Jeremy here. Oh man, that is so fucking mm. funny. I had a I had an optician job like that where I worked at an eye doctor, and this was how much of my soul was dying. I only worked there two and a half days. <laughs> that's pretty good going it must have been pretty bad if you could only do two and a half days i'll never forget i i was talking to the older doctor who is the the actual owner and i said hey i just want you to know you know i'm gonna put my two weeks in um you know i'm gonna commit to working for at least these two weeks you know i'm gonna do the right thing you know two weeks and he just looks at me he's like you can just leave now <laughs> and i was like oh, oh okay okay yeah that's that's fine <laughs> whatever <laughs> so i just turned around grabbed my stuff and left (laughs) oh my god it was that was a weird that was a weird fucking experience we've all been there and then and then those motherfuckers tried to stiff me a paycheck (laughs) oh really 
yeah, they literally told me that since I had only worked there two and a half days that they weren't going to pay me. And I was like, the fuck you aren't <laughs> going to pay me? Like, yeah, I still did those two and a half days, buddy. Yeah, fuck you. So then it turned into this, like, real weird... Um, yeah, it turned, it turned into this really fucking weird thing where I had to kind of, like... I don't want to say threatened to call lawyer because it didn't really go that far, but I was just like, no, you guys need to fucking pay me. And they were like, fine, fine, we'll pay you. And I said... I said, okay, I'll come by and pick up the check. They just go, we'll mail it to you. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even want me to come back to the They office. probably were worried that you were going to uh, actually start some sort of conversation with the guy about his fantasy football again. Yeah, come in with a Kalashnikov and 200 rounds of ammo. <laughs> 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 that is just a joke. That is, that's a lampoon. <laughs> It's a mark joke. It's a mark joke, yeah. <laughs> it's a simple lampoon. <laughs> um, so so probably the doctor wanted to do the same thing to me, but Tony like just raps uh Jeremy on the head and is like, Welcome to the real world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, Jeremy's not good at jobs, is he? He's really bad at jobs. So it's not a surprise that he can't do this and that yeah, it really does need to come into the real world, but he's not about to. This is not the day that that's going to start. Yeah, and and so Tony kind of starts poking a little bit here, and I think she's really fucking devious in the scene where she's like, "Oh, how's your marriage?" And Jeremy's just like, "Oh, it's all right, it, it's fine." Yeah. And she's like, "That doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound fine." And he's like, "Oh, you know, little niggles." And she's like, "Oh, <laughs> niggling already?" And and everything that Jeremy says to to her, he she ends up like kind of twisting and like using against him. Yeah, she turns it around, doesn't she? So when he says that he had to watch a whole bunch of Robin Williams films, and she's like, "Oh, do like she's she's making you do things you don't want to do with your spare time." Yeah, spare time is important. <laughs> <laughs> that's your life. Yeah. Yeah. So he, uh, she says, doesn't she, that they should have an affair. That's the answer to these marital difficulties is, is for them to start an affair. But, you know, affairs are simple and, and nobody gets hurt. So <laughs> Nobody gets hurt. Yeah, simple as me closing the door and putting my hands down the trousers. And I would, yeah, I just think Jeremy is so fucking stupid in this scene. Oh, it's, it's typical Jeremy where he sort of acts as though he's got no say over his sexual destiny whatsoever. <laughs> like, oh, she wants to have sex with me. I have no choice but to have sex with her. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's funny. This is a this is the kind of thing that happens to Jeremy like frequently throughout the series. <laughs> but now we go back to we get to see more of Sophie's like really fucking nice place. Yeah, yeah, they're in Sophie's lovely flat. Yeah, and so they've got they're kinda got a double date going on and it's it's Mark and Karen, Sophie and Sam, and Sam is kind of doing like a little stand up routine almost and he's like I said you don't have to be enlightened, enlightened to work here. Yeah, but it helped politely laughing. Yeah, I know what I wanted to ask you actually was, what sort of date do you think this is? Because the next scene, it must be what seven o'clock in the evening, and they're all drinking tea. I noticed so they've had some sort of weird afternoon date that involves them all sitting around Sophie's flat drinking cups of tea. I just I couldn't think what they would have done in the afternoon to that would be a four-way date drinking tea it just seemed a bit weird to me yeah that is a bit weird i i hadn't thought about it i just was assuming you know dinner pub back to sophie's but we know sam doesn't drink 
Yeah, and we know that the next scene must be fairly early because not to give away then what happens, but Nancy says she's going out to a gig, doesn't she? So it's the afternoon that they're drinking tea in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just... Oh, shit, you're right. Yeah, I just don't know what they've been doing. Museum, maybe. It just seemed weird to I me. never thought about the fucking timeline of this of this in the next mm. the next scene, but yeah, you're... I don't think they did either. That's what I, I think I've I think I've stumbled on something there, but yeah, it just occurred to me. This down is a question for the writers, <laughs> if we ever get the writers on. <laughs> um, but then Jeff kind of just storms into Sophie's place, and he walks in, and he's like, don't mind me just getting just getting CDs and then he sees Sophie and he's just like, "Well, you've moved on pretty <laughs> fucking quick." And I like how Mark is instantly like, "I'm not here with her, it's him." <laughs> <laughs> One thing that really struck me as a super early 2000s thing too is did you see all the fucking CDs that Sophie has at her house? Yeah, she's got so many CDs and I was thinking this was that like we don't have a single CD or DVD anymore. Like, they're all gone. And she's got loads of them, like, shelves of them. Yeah, she's got, like, probably two small bookshelves full of of, D, of CDs. Mm. And then she also has these, like, wall-mounted, like, shadow boxes almost that have CDs in them. Yeah, yeah, she's got a lot of CDs. And Jeff is just, like, leafing through all the CDs, like, pulling his CDs out. I love when he grabs the cup. I love when he grabs the mug out of Sam's hand and then just pours the tea into somebody else's tea. <laughs> Yeah, that's my mate. Uh, Mark is just trying to lighten the mood, and he's like, so which Beatle is better, John or Paul? I mean, Paul, obviously, but, you know, for the sake of argument. <laughs> yeah, no one even answers him. No one, no one's prepared to even have the Beatles conversation. I really enjoy that Mark doesn't even really give him a choice either. He's just like, Paul. <laughs> no. And Paul's the, Paul's the worst one. Why would you choose Paul? Like, that's a crap answer. But of course Mark chooses Paul. Yeah, well, well who's your favourite Beatle? Well, I don't know. I mean, yeah, you probably have to say John. He was the cheekiest, wasn't he? I mean, I'm probably going to say Ringo, actually, because, you know, he did Thomas and he's, you know, seems funny. But out of out of the, the John and Paul, it's got to be John, surely. And especially now, Paul McCartney's an absolute fool. Really? Yeah, he's a, he's a joke now. I was not aware of, uh, I wasn't really aware of that. But didn't he just recently get the rights to all the Beatles catalogs? Oh, probably. I think he's been fighting for ages to try and get the Lennon and McCartney thing changed to McCartney and Lennon. You've won! He's dead. He's been dead for like 40 years. Get over it. But yeah, I think he did. Mark, as the scene is going on, he realizes that Sam is a pacifist and isn't going to do shit. The women aren't really going to do shit either. Mm -hmm. And so... <laughs> Mark just kind of takes it upon himself to to talk to Jeff, and we're just going to play this this little quick scene here where Mark confronts Jeff. Shit, this is just not normal. Someone's got to do something. He's going to just stand there doing nothing like Jeff's the invading Chinese army. They're women. <laughs> That'll get out. Oh, God, it's got to be me. <clears throat> Listen, Jeff, I, uh, I think, you know, it's time you left. Oh, really? What are you going to do about it, exactly? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Nothing. Except stand here like a civilised man and wait for you to do the civilised thing and leave. Yeah, well, I'll just be getting some CDs out the bedroom. Brilliant. Probably looks like I was ready to punch him when actually I was going to use the Buddhist as a human shield. But Mark does come off looking not hard, exactly, but... 
like vaguely not like a complete wuss here, doesn't he? No, I, I think Mark comes off looking great. It's one of the few times. Yeah, he wins. He, he's, yeah, one of the few times that he wins here. Spot on. It is one of the few times in this entire series where Mark really is able to kind of get the better of Jeff. And then we go back to Apollo House here. And when the first time I watched the scene, for some reason, I thought they were eating like breakfast for dinner. Oh, right. So I thought that he was, I thought he was eating like scrambled eggs and, and sausage. So I was like, oh, that's a nice little uh, breakfast for dinner. I fucking love breakfast for dinner. And then, yeah. of course, I realized it was like mashed potatoes and sausage. Is that is that like a common... Yeah, bangers and mash. That is a delicious dinner with uh, peas oh. and gravy. Hmm. Yeah, it is nice. Recommend. That sounds good. But why has Nancy made it then? If Americans don't eat that, we'll have to maybe try. it's Jeremy's favorite dinner. Maybe she's being nice to him. I she's probably like assimilated the cult some of the culture by now i would guess yeah yeah it's funny because now nancy nancy is like well you know even though our our marriage is a sham <laughs> it's still a it's still a marriage in the eyes of god which means we can have sex again and jeremy just gets like thrilled yeah he's very pleased to hear this yeah he's super thrilled and nancy does this cute little thing where she kind of like flips um you know like starts a little food fight with him flicks some um yeah mashed potatoes at him and he flicks it back and it's very cute until that fucking bitch tony just kind of ruins everything by texting jez and telling him yeah. he needs to get to her apartment now and jeremy says that it's he says it's super hands and he's, he's got to leave because super hands is gonna he's thinking about going back on the crack so <laughs> he needs to go and get him a scotch egg yeah and nancy looks pretty upset that jeremy is leaving at this point yeah um, yeah, she definitely is. Yeah. And then over at Tony's apartment, Jeremy Jeremy is like desperately, he's desperately trying to tell Tony, I do not want to do this anymore. Yeah, this is over. Our, affair, our brief affair is over. Yeah. And Tony, shit's just fallen on deaf ears because as it turns out, Tony has left her. Yeah, he's gone. He's back in Lincoln getting his tummy rubbed by a lovely mummy. <laughs> And I wondered if that was, like, literal, like, if it was a literal, like, if he was literally at his home getting his stomach rubbed by his mom. Yeah, that's how I took it to mean, like, yeah, he's gone home to his mom and she's, yeah, she's looking after him. Tony just is, like, really just starts kind of going off the deep end a little bit. Mommy wants her lollipop, too. The farmer wants a wife, Jeremy. I love that. <laughs> uh, Jeremy's phone rings and it's Nancy and she tells him, like, you know, like, fuck off, don't answer your phone. If you do answer your phone, I'm just going to tell Nancy about your affair. And that's pretty much kind of where the scene ends from there. Yeah. And not that I would ever condone somebody being uh, cheating on their spouse, because I think it's a shitty thing to do. Yeah. Um, but fucking blackmailing like that? I mean, holy <laughs> shit, you know, like... Yeah, I mean, she's, like, gone the, the whole nine yards here, hasn't she? She is, she's not just, like, going all out to seduce him, which she has done in the office. And he's a bit, like, I don't want to say that Jeremy's a bit backward, but he seems like he's a bit vulnerable in terms of that he doesn't really seem to be very much in charge of his own sexual destiny. So she's taken <laughs> advantage of a, of, a, of a slightly immature man. And now she's going all out to seduce him in the flat and then blackmailing him to boot. Yeah. But then we get... And it, I feel bad for... Like I said, I do feel a little bad for Jeremy here that he's kind of trapped in a prison of his own doing. 
Yeah, I mean, Jeremy is Jeremy does do some shitty things, but I don't. I do think he really loves Nancy at this point, and I do think that he is just he does not have the tools to deal with this situation that's been thrown at him. Yeah, I would agree a hundred percent there. Mm. Back at Sophie's, Mark is pouring everybody a glass of famous grouse whiskey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is this now? Is this a whiskey brand of whiskey you're familiar with? Yeah. Okay, because I I don't really drink whiskey, but when I do drink whiskey, I drink Jack Daniels. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a Scottish whiskey that is oh, okay. very much on sale here. It's like it's like oh, I don't know if it's the lower end of the market. Like they sell it in Tesco, so it must be pretty. It can't be like the high gotcha. end of the market, I would say. Let's have a look. Let's see how much a <laughs> bottle of famous grass will set you back in 2017. Uh, yeah, £13.50 from Waitrose. So it's not it's, it's not a high end whiskey, but yeah, it's fine. Um, he's just kind of trying to, to talk to Sophie about what a weird night it's been. And Sophie's trying to just pump information on how things are going with Karen. And Mark is just like... Oh, she's nice. Really, really nice. She just isn't. And Sophie's like, isn't what? And he's like, you. And right as Mark and Sophie are about to kiss, <laughs> I can't live by air supply comes on. <laughs> but I want to just kind of talk about this exchange with Sophie and Mark. Because Sophie is a really fucking bad friend here. Yeah, she's... I think that she is fishing for Mark to say what he says. I think she wants, don't think she likes necessarily the interest that Mark seemingly has for Karen because she's many things, including con contrary clearly about this. She doesn't necessarily, or didn't necessarily want to go out with Mark, but she, he's her back burner clearly. And she thinks now it's over with Jeff. I think she thinks that she doesn't really want him, but she doesn't really want anyone else to have him either. Yeah. It's, it's so strange like it just really this scene just really kind of doesn't make much sense to me um yeah she seems very con like you said she seems very contrary um to what she should want versus what she's actually getting yeah she definitely i don't think she ever has much interest in mark really but she hasn't got anything else going on and she's getting older we assume she's like in her 30s at this point and i think she thinks that Mark is a safe pair of hands. Yeah. But the other sad thing about this scene is that Karen pretty much just fucking vanishes. Yeah, where does Karen go? We never see or hear about her again. I feel like she was almost a... Almost a worthwhile... A worthless character. Yeah, she was She was a plot device, wasn't she? I feel like Karen could have maybe even been an invisible character like Pedge. Yeah, you're right. You didn't really need to see her necessarily. She was, uh, she was, she was spoken about more than she was spoken to. But as they, they go to investigate where I can't live by air supply is coming from in Jeff. <laughs> Jeff is just sitting on Sophie's bed. And what is he rubbing against his face? I think he's one of her dresses. Okay, that's what I thought. It was like a, I thought it was like a nightie or some lingerie or something. Yeah, it's something, it's something like that. Yeah. And he's just he's rubbing it against his face and he's just crying <laughs> while this music plays at the top of his lungs. And then Mark, I don't know if you caught this. Mark is kind of an extra fuck you, like puts his arm around Sophie and then just like pulls Sophie close to him. <laughs> The look of smugness on Mark's face as well at this point is brilliant. Uh, what's Mark's line at the end there? Uh, uh, public humiliation. Welcome to my world, Jeff. Although, personally, I wouldn't have picked that dress to cry on. 
Yeah, okay, so it was a dress, but yeah, yeah that's that's a great... Uh, after the humiliation that Jeff gave him last week with the going gay stuff, I think that in the humiliation department, Mark won. Yeah, yeah, it was it was deserved, I think. I think tit for tat and Mark won here. Oh, uh, yeah, d Mark definitely won. Back at Apollo House, you have Jez kind of sitting on the couch, and he looks really, he's like really quiet. Mark is just like fucking over the moon, and Nancy like, brings a food tray in, and she's like, here you go husband <laughs> yeah it's loaded isn't it when she calls him husband and then nancy's like oh how did everything go tonight and mark's like pretty damn well nearly really really nearly finally <laughs> got it together with so he's so excited he's like absolutely elated isn't he yeah if you have to if you have to put that many if you have to put that many combinations of nearly and reallys before a phrase it didn't really nearly happen although i guess I guess it really kind. Of, I guess it kind of did. It's the closest they've. Oh no, because they were in bed together at the end of series one, weren't they? But it's the closest they've come lately to any kind of romance. Mm -hmm. And Mark is kind of oblivious to the fact that something kind of fucky is going on between Jeremy and Nancy, and he's just like, "Look at us, we are getting it together. Look at your beautiful American wife and me with my lovely maybe girlfriend." <laughs> I tell you what, we should get a couple of tandems and go to the Pyrenees and pick grapes or some crazy <laughs> thing like that. I really wish they would have actually made that an episode with all of them on, like, tandem bicycles. Tandems, yeah. That's so un-Jeremy. I can't see that, uh, I can't see that going down very well. Do you think Jeremy would have sat on the back and had Nancy drive, or do you think... Yeah, just, just had Nancy do all the pedaling, probably. Yeah, he probably would have had his feet kicked back on her seat. Yeah, yeah. It took me, it, the first time I watched the scene, I was like, I was like, okay, I'm going to have to ask Laura what a tandem is. Because it really, you know, here we call them a bicycle built for two or a, a two-seater or something like that. Right, okay, yeah. And so uh, it took me a minute, but then when he was like, oh, we'll pick grapes. And I was like, okay tandem oh a tandem bicycle okay yeah that makes sense that's just yeah you just it's only you only need one word why would you use like five words for that um we've got to make americans have to make the english language as difficult as possible <laughs> yeah yeah although I, I would argue that we made it easier by getting rid of the word of the letter u in like color humor you know yeah see that just that's just we just find that wrong <laughs> why have you done that there's no need it's not it's not bothering anyone is it <laughs> I'm sure it was, I'm sure it was some, uh, I'm sure it was some, like, colonial thing where they were just like, get you out of here! <laughs> yeah, what can we do? We've got more respect for the Australians because they've kept the use. Well, they also didn't beat you guys in a war. Oh! <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. oh, don't, don't make this about that. Don't make this about that. It's not. It, it never, it never <laughs> is. It never is. <laughs> so then we have Nancy popping back into the room and... She's like, hey, Jeremy, do you mind sleeping on the couch? I'm going to go see Metallica at Wembley Arena, and I popped a couple E's, and it's gonna. I'm going to get horny real soon if, <laughs> if I meet somebody. Which I will. Which I will. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. I want to I bring them back, and I'm going to need the bed. Okay? And Jeremy's just like, yeah. okay. I was thinking about when we were talking last week about uh, you know, having a hand in a relationship like Jeremy has, or Nancy has yeah, all yeah. the hand in this relationship. No, none whatsoever. Like, he didn't ever have, really, and now he's got absolutely none. Yeah. Uh, I like, as Nancy leaves, Mark kind of looks at Jeremy and he's like, 
is everything all right? <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> what is going on? Yeah, and then Jeremy's just like, I had an affair with Tony by mistake. <laughs> and Nancy found out because I told her. And Mark just is like, why? What? <laughs> <laughs> because of stupid honesty. And now we are going to stay married. But apparently our relationship is nothing more than a husk. <laughs> <laughs> I also really like, do you think maybe... If I plead and plead and plead, she'll forget all about it and things will go back to normal. And Mark's just like, honestly? And Jeremy's like, quite honestly. And then he pauses, not brutally, not brutally honestly. And then Mark's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> do you think they stayed married? Like, do you think that they ever got legally divorced? Or do you think that Jeremy and uh, Nancy remained married? <sighs> I I mean, if they got divorced, would she have been able to stay in England? That's a good point. And she does she pops up later, doesn't she? And she's still in England. So I guess they are still married. Maybe they're still married to this day, but it's it never it's never brought up again, is it? No, it really is I don't think it is ever brought up. We'll have to mm. we'll have to track that if Jeremy's marriage <laughs> Yeah, is the marriage ever dissolved? If anything, I, I I imagine it would come up in sistering, if it's gonna come up at if it's gonna if it's true, gonna come at yeah. all it'll come up in sistering. So I'm sure it doesn't ever again. So you're right. We'll have to remember to think about that later on. It's sort of like Jeremy's nursing degree. They mention it a few times and then just yeah, but it just disappears. I fucking loved this episode. I. Man, what a funny-ass episode. It is great. Yeah, looking back, I, I thought that University Challenge was my favourite episode of this series, but actually I think this might be it. I've forgotten how good it is, and I'd forgotten how strong it is. There's no wasted scenes in it. It's got loads of like quotable lines. Um, Superhands is really good in it. Superhands is, is really strong in every scene that he's in. Um, yeah, it's brilliant, and it's a perfect finale episode to the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I had been if I had been watching at the time, I think that this finale would have really, really had me jazzed for series three. Yeah, yeah, I definitely remember being thinking it was a strong episode to end on and being excited for the next series. And I think it was this series that prompted the kind of like not mainstream because it never really went mainstream, but for more people to be talking about it. So I think more people started watching at the beginning of series three on the back of how good this series and this episode was. I got feedback on this episode from uh, on Twitter. So you haven't seen this feedback because I haven't told you about it because I wanted to keep you kind of in the dark so that you could kind of come off the cuff. Right. Cool. So this was the feedback right. that I got. I think that in the wedding episode, when Jeremy starts crying at the hospital, he's not crying because he believes Hans and Mark. I think he's crying because he stepped out of his fantasy where Nancy loves him and into reality. He knows the wedding is a work and has been lying to himself throughout the el- throughout the entire episode. Also, in the reception scene, Mark shows that he is uh, that he really is charming when he isn't thinking about being charming, and we know by now that he's neurotic. But this scene highlights the fact that his only enemy is himself. And this is from Connor in Kansas City. And just real quick, Connor, if you do go to NWL on July twenty second, I'm going to be going too. So just hit me up, and we'll we'll hang out afterwards. Uh, cool. Yeah, Anyways. I I think that I agree with actually quite a bit of that. Definitely the stuff about Mark being charming when he's not overthinking it is, is definitely true. And that becomes, that we see more of that, don't we, as he deals with more women as time goes on, that actually when he's not 
in his own head mm-hmm. the whole time and overthinking it, he's much better with women than when he's like obsessing the whole time and collecting their boots receipts and their hair. Like, so the more the more obsessed he becomes with someone, the worse he becomes. And we see that later with Dobby. The more he tries to force it, the less she likes him. The more she just clearly thinks he's an absolute mm-hmm. twit. And this is that's the case here. Is he's much better? Yeah. With Car- uh, maybe he's better with Karen because he doesn't really care about Karen. Maybe that's that's true as well. Yeah. It. I mean, he was pretty. He was pretty like non neurotic with Valerie too. And I don't know that he ever really cared about Valerie either. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's probably like another woman where. You saw more like, you know, he was more like a normal person, wasn't he? As for the lying to himself and the crying in the hospital, I can see that. I do, but I don't think, I, I think that Jeremy's existed on these like two levels throughout this episode. So he never really, he knows that it's not real marriage, doesn't he? He does know. What he's hoping, I think, is that Nancy will do him the favour of falling in love with him after they've got married. So it's like, well, we're married, so we might as well... Stay married because I love you now. He does know, really, that she doesn't love it. Uh, I agree. Um, I found some more Peep Show poetry, so by popular demand, we are going to bring back Peep Show poetry. Oh, yeah, good. Roses are red. Johnson is black. Yeah. Well, if you're leaving now, don't even fucking think about coming back. <laughs> Roses are red. Jared's gone to heaven. Basically, I've been bored ever since 9-11. Wow, that is fucked up. I wonder who wrote that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know who wrote that. <laughs> yeah, she must be a really fucked up person. Yeah, stick your head. Roses are red. Hand smokes crack like a fiend. You're paying for that snake to be dry cleaned. <laughs> uh, the the pe- Unfortunately, the Peep Show poems have slowed down a little bit, so we, we haven't been able to have the segment in a little while, but I'm glad that we were able to collect some uh, Peep Show to, poems uh, to share with everybody. To, to encourage them back, I think, that we need to, to get on that, come up with a few, mm-hmm. get people writing them. Yep. Um, last thing, well, there's two uh-huh. more things that I want to talk about. Um so the first thing is, is your friend, and I was so appreciative of your friend for, um, I can't remember who it was, uh, excuse me, but I was so appreciative of your friend posting that, that interview with Neil Fitzmorris. Oh, it was, um, it was Gav. Hello, Gav. We went to university together. Oh, okay. Thank you so much for mentioning that podcast, because I actually went and listened to the, the interview, specifically where he was talking about Peep Show, and... Um, I thought it was really interesting kind of insight into Neil Fitzmorris and his take on Peep Show. Yeah. Um, especially because I, I guess I had never really thought about it that in Series 9, he's literally only in one episode and probably has like three lines in that entire episode. Yeah, he's in the final episode, isn't he? But that's it. Yeah. He, in this in this podcast, this, the entire podcast was probably, what, like two hours or something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he talks about how Peep Show was originally called POV. He originally read for the part of Superhands, <laughs> which I thought was so strange because I kept I keep trying to imagine Jeff as Superhands, and it just yeah does not fucking compute to me at all. No, they had such a weird set of auditionees for Superhands, didn't they? Because Russell Brand was one of the auditionees as well. And I could see that. Yeah, I can see that. I can, I do think that might have worked. I quite like Russell Brand. Um and Danny Dyer. I don't know if you have you you have Danny Dyer because you know what a Danny Dyer is. But he I know a Danny I know what Danny Dyer's chocolate homoculus is. <laughs> yeah. But Danny Dyer I I can't really see, I have to say. Although apparently it was written with 
the part was written with Danny Dyer in mind. So that's weird. But yeah, that they there was a long list of auditionees for that part, but I didn't know until I heard this that that Neil Fitzmaurice was one of them. I'm looking at a picture of Danny Dyer right now, and yeah, I really can't. Uh, I really couldn't see this guy like doing super hands. No, he's like a Cockney geezer. So that's like I think that that's the part of super hands that they that has clearly stayed in the in the writing of him. Uh, and I'm not, and I and this next part. I am seriously not saying this next part just because, you know, Matt King has tweeted about the show or whatever. Matt King, I after seeing him do super hands, I really just can't see, couldn't fathom anybody else doing no, it. No, he was born to play that part. It was it's the yeah. absolutely he made his own and I I agree with you that, that I just don't even even someone like Russell Brand, who obviously has gone on to become a massive star, I can't imagine. And I I loved him in um getting Sarah Marshall and it's quite a similar kind of part I can sort of see how that that kind of part would have been sort of super hands-ish but Matt King just brings like a certain magic to it that mm-hmm. I don't think anyone else could have he said that I was really surprised about was he was saying that the cr- that the cast was not like particularly close mm. because of how you know tough the the POV filming was and how hard the blocking was and you know they would they would be filming a scene and then they'd have to switch perspectives and you know, they'd have to freeze exactly where they were, do the perspective switch, make sure everything, you know, like lined up. And I was just really surprised when he said that the crew was not particularly close because you see all of these people, you know, you see uh, you see all of the core actors kind of popping up in all of their, ser- you know, each other's respective shows that... That's true. Yeah, you do. Um, I was surprised about that as well, but I guess it does make sense that it's not going to be filmed like a conventional uh, sitcom and that that probably did mean that there was less chance for bonding between the actors. And then, and then Neil Fitzmaurice, he kind of got to the, he kind of gets to the point where he's just like, you guys either need to kill Jeff, write him off or whatever. But you know, this bullshit that you're doing now is really pissing me off. And I, I, I don't blame him for feeling that way. No, and I admire him for kind of speaking out about it because it's it would have been easy for him to sort of not mention this at any point, wouldn't it? But obviously he says about that, you know, out of respect for him as an actor, he felt that, that you know, that there wasn't much respect for him as a performer, that they didn't do that. They just kept bringing Jeff back for like a few scenes here and there. But he is very outspoken. He does, he has spoken about his... Um, he's falling out with Peter Kay after they wrote Phoenix Nights. That's he's publicly spoken about that as well, I believe. So I think that maybe he is just, that's his style that he's honest and does speak out about, you know, the darker side of the industry. But that's, that's really, to me, I feel like that's really, really refreshing that, you know, you can hear kind of some of the real shit. Yeah. You hear, all you ever hear is like the PR bullshit, don't you? That they will make, it's all, it's all great. So good on him, I think for, for being honest about it. So I'm going to let you make the first, the, I'm going to let you make this decision. This is going to be your first big co-host decision. Next week, we could go straight into series three with the mugging, or we could watch the 2007 film Magicians starring David Mitchell, Robert Webb, written by Armstrong and Bain. Do you have a preference on how you want to go? Yeah, let's watch Magicians. It's a really good film, and I've not watched it in a few years, so I would definitely be up for that. Fantastic. I'm really I'm really excited because I have not watched this, so I'm gonna be kind of going in cold. I think you're gonna like it. It's really funny. Oh, I'm I'm super excited just by I watched the trailer a couple weeks ago and it looked amazing. So yeah, I'm Yeah, it's it's hilarious. My husband had seen it before 
and I hadn't seen it. It was on the telly one night, and I remember him saying, oh, "I can't believe you've not seen this. Like, you must watch it." And we stayed up. It was on at it was on at about midnight, and we stayed up to watch it. And it was it was brilliant, really good. Yeah, I'm I'm really pumped. So next week's episode, we are going to be covering the magician, a magicians, and then in two weeks we will have mugging. And I am super fucking excited to get into series three. Yeah, series three was when I think it really sort of hit its stride. And definitely, I remember very clearly that more people were watching it. It was it was like a talking point down the pub by then. So I'm very excited to talk about series three. I Every episode in series three is, is very, very funny. I, I really don't... I know that there's some weak episodes because every TV series is going to have weak episodes. But in... In series three, even like the week episodes are still fucking amazing. So I'm really excited. Yeah, it's it's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. And this is I call this the ing season or series because all the episodes are something ing sectioning. Oh sister, yeah, they are mugging, sectioning, yeah, quant talking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. The ing season is really strong and I'm real excited. We're gonna get to meet Big Sue. She's a great character. Um, yeah she is she's great and has only been spoken about thus far yeah so i'm really excited to get into series three equally as excited to talk about the magicians yeah yeah can't wait all right anything else no i don't think so thank you for having me again oh well you don't have to keep thanking me because you're gonna be here every week from now on so i'm here every week now yeah so that but it's, it's it's great i'm very excited to be here full time yeah, no, I'm super excited to have you, and I think this is going to, I think the foundation has been laid for a great show, and I think you and I are going to continue on making it, we're going to make podcasting great again. <laughs> I'd like to say actually thank you to uh, Kat and Rosie, who um, are on my friends on Facebook, and my friends in real life, but my friends on Facebook, and they uh, they came back with some feedback for the episode, so that was great, and thanks as well to Gav, who we've already mentioned for pointing out the Neil Fitzmaurice podcast. And again, Matt King, I know you may not be listening to this episode. If you are, thank you for listening. You're fucking awesome. But I really appreciate you taking like two minutes out of your time to tweet about the show because it really it really means a lot. It's made a massive difference as well. It's that getting that exposure yeah. is great. So thank you so much. Just looking at SoundCloud on if I'm looking at the week by week stats. And of course, this is not even including, you know, like people who listened on iTunes. On Monday, July 3rd, we had 11 total plays on our SoundCloud page for, yeah, we had a total of, yeah, like I said, we had a total of 11 plays on Monday, me. July 3rd. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. On Monday, July, on Monday, July 10th, after Matt King tweeted about us, we had fucking 330. Yeah, that's amazing. And then the very next day, and I, and you know, I was thinking like, oh, well, this is really cool. You know, this Monday is going to be super busy. You know, maybe Tuesday is going to die down. Eh -eh. Tuesday was just as crazy. We had 350 people who hit our SoundCloud page. Um, and then it kind of tapered. It kind of tapered off a little bit um, from there, which is to be expected, but... Thank you for everybody that took time to listen. It was super cool to have people like be like, "Oh, so you have a you have a podcast that charted like that's fucking cool," you know. So 
it's this is this is a love letter. This is my love letter to Peep Show, and it's a show that I fucking love. So this is something that I'm really excited to do. So I appreciate everybody that takes time out to listen. And I think there's so much affection for it. That's the thing is that as I've got involved and been talking about it on social media. Um, and obviously being in the JLB survivors group, there's just so much affection for the show. And I think people are, there's still an appetite for it, even though it's obviously ended nearly two years ago now, which I can't believe. I think that people are still talking about it and people still love it. So it's really nice to be part of that. One huge favor that I have to ask is if you are listening to this on iTunes, if you could please take, I don't know, two minutes to leave a review for us, um, you know, stars, you don't even have to leave like a text review. If you just want to leave a star ranking, um, that stuff all really helps more people find us. Um, I there's one there's one review on the UK iTunes. I don't know who wrote it, but it's a really good review. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is one review. We we need more than that one review, please. <laughs> Again, thank you for everybody that's listening, and we will see you guys next week with the magicians. This is the thanks very much. This is the El Dude Brother signing off. <clears throat> <clears throat> I am in loco parentis. I am the last remaining contestant on The Apprentice. I am the home trained dentist. Ay, 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 ay,